I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Editing Podcast. So this week, we're looking at reasons why you might want to invest in hiring someone else rather than doing all the editing yourself. Yeah, and there are several reasons why you might not want to take on the full editing mantle. The first of which is it could be a massive undertaking that you just don't have the time for. So think about how long it's taken you to write your book and go through the various drafts. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with deciding to hand over the reins to someone else so that you can crack on with doing what you love best. And that's writing. That's right. Working with a third party might well free you up to explore other writing projects or just other stuff in your life that you want to go on with. Life's just sometimes about delegation. <laughs> yeah, too right. Yeah. And we're not daft. We do realise this is going to have a cost to it. But like a lot of things, it's about balance. Because we all sometimes make choices to pay someone else to do things on our behalf rather than doing it all ourselves. Balance is right. Um, Like me trying to cut 10 feet off the Leylandi in my back garden. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried. I really did, Denise. But balance was not what was happening, which is why I ended up in the tree. Oh, but anyway, dear. <laughs> is that I realised that I'd rather be doing something else in my life so I hired a tree surgeon and it's the same thing with editing you know you have to think about what your priorities are and how you want to spend your time. Yeah and I have to say I'm glad you're not my gardener Louise I'm not seeing anything else. (laughs) So let's talk about goals and it's worth remembering that not all writers have the same end goal. Some people want to hone their writing craft and while they might well be intending to actually publish the book First, they want a professional to help them so they can actually learn to write better. That's right. And it might be that the editor you want to work with in the first instance is someone with developmental editing knowledge. So someone who can help you with story craft. And this isn't just about fiction, um, because as you've said before, Denise, business, educational and academic writing tells a story too. Just Mm. because no one falls in love or gets murdered doesn't mean there isn't a story there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've worked on a few pieces of nonfiction where those things have happened. (laughs) But yeah, it's still storytelling, isn't it? Some authors choose to work with book coaches and that type of editing isn't just about sending the file, having the editor work through one pass and then returning it. It's a longer term relationship. Yeah, and it might take months. So in fiction, this could mean that the author and editor work together as a, as a team to really develop the story arc and character development. And it will mean a lot of back and forth. But the end result is a skills base that the author can take forward to every other book they write. So working with an editor is about learning, not just getting a book to market, I think. Yeah, that's so true. And you can get loads of instruction like this from books and from free blogs and writing groups or courses. And some of you might want more one-to-one coaching that's tailored to your particular writing style and your particular subject or genre. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about mojo, because sometimes a writer just loses it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same as anything else in life. I think you you pour your heart and soul into something and it starts out as exciting and you're really fired up because it's new and fresh, (laughs) but it can become a burden. I I know when I wrote a a business book for fellow editors back in 2014, as you know, Denise, and I was completely hyped about it for about 90% of the project. But I was so sick of that damn thing by the time I was on the home (laughs) straight. It's like I'd read it too many times and I couldn't wait to hand over the reins to my copy editor and say, "Okay, I've gone as far as I can with this. And I, I just... I just need to let it go now. 
yeah moving on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the thing and um, your editor's there to support your writing and take some of that burden away from you but th- this reminds me of something and I think it is worth chatting just quickly about how some authors they're actually put off working with um particularly developmental editors because they see it as somehow as cheating So one of our colleagues last year uh, wrote a blog post about how one of her authors had believed this. Was that Molly McGowan? Yeah, yeah, McGowan. Yeah, that's it. So it was like because the writer was getting help, he was he was somehow lying to his readers. Uh, I think we should make sure there's a link to that in the show notes, shouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. It's a great article. And it's not cheating at all. No. Molly, Molly, Molly pointed out how lots of well-known authors are edited. And we just have to think about how the mainstream um, publishing process works. They always, always, always make sure that books are structurally sound. And then they put them out to editors and proofreaders like you and me. And so... You know, I think the lesson is there. If you're a writer, don't worry that it's cheating to hire an editor. All you're doing is mimicking what the big name publishers do. It's a team effort to make a great book that's going to satisfy readers. And few of us start doing anything by being brilliant at it. Writing's most true. Yeah, Yeah, we need to learn the craft of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and it's a process, and it's one that I think it's worth um, everyone going through. But there is a caveat to this because there are cases where you do need to be cautious if you've written a dissertation or a thesis you have to make sure that you check your university's guidelines before you hire in professional editing because most of them have really quite strict rules about what levels of intervention are acceptable and usually it's only a final tidy up proofreading that's allowed and there are serious consequences if students breach the policy so do talk to your supervisor. That's such good advice. I know some unis like Keele in the UK are looking at banning the hiring of pro proofreaders altogether and they're going to be training up their own internal editorial staff but Mm -hmm. policies do vary from college to college so just check yeah yeah so um we should talk now about freshness because the Mm -hmm. fact is it it doesn't matter how many times you check your own writing when you stare at it for the 75th time it's like (laughs) you've got your goggle eyes on oh god yes crossed eyes yeah (laughs) yeah and you start seeing what you want to see rather than what's there i i find this happens when i blog i always miss something and it's not that i don't know what i'm doing it's just that i'm i'm just almost too close to the work oh definitely me too i'm i'm absolutely the same and I'd even go as far to say that there are actually diminishing returns. So mm-hmm. when you're writing, you'll always find the most problems during the first round of self-editing. But as you go on, you become less effective the more you look at it, just because you're too familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. And that's why even editors use editors a lot of the time when they write. So even if you've worked really hard to get rid of most of the editor, the, most of the editors. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want you to get rid of most of the editors. <laughs> You're saying the opposite here. Errors. Errors, yes. So even if you've worked really hard to get rid of most of your errors, the chances are there'll still be a few remaining, but you just won't be able to see the wood for the trees. Hmm. Plus, fresh eyes means a fresh perspective, doesn't it? So you might not have noticed that a sentence is a little clunky because you know exactly what you mean because you wrote it. But actually, it's not clear to the reader. There's a great quote from Dee Bontenen in an article that's um, all about how most writing could be much, much better. And Tennant says something like, um, uh, attention to the finer finer detail um, 
takes writing from pretty good to magnificent. And that's what an editor's doing. They're helping you up your game and make your writing the best it can be. Yeah, I like that. And that's really important because after all, writing is about communicating, isn't it? And when you put your words on paper or online, you're no longer just a writer. You're also a messenger. Absolutely. And every error you make distracts your reader from that message. And the more mistakes you make, the more your message can become clouded. And on the flip side, every error you don't make allows your readers to sail rather than stumble through your text. Sailing is the best way. You want your readers to feel the message in your words, absorb it, rather than having to pick their way through it. Yeah, so think about what you've written. Maybe it's a novel that entertains or a thesis that educates or a business report that informs or a website that's selling a product, even a job application form that you're using to persuade someone to hire you. All those words, in whatever form they are, need to work for you. They need to be understood. But where there's a message, there's an audience. And some are not forgiving, are they? No, No, they're not. So when you decide to add an editor to your writing team, you're acknowledging your audience, your reader, your Kindle owner, your website visitor, whoever. That's absolutely right. And the way I think about it is in terms of sound levels. So often it seems like correct or standard is quiet but wrong Mm -hmm. or non-standard is loud so so when you get your dialogue punctuation just right no one says wow that perfect (laughs) punctuation literally smacked me in the face amazing no no one sings your praises when um you ensure that all your tables and figures are numbered correctly no one celebrates a word that spells like it's listed in the dictionary but the howlers the typos the jarring stuff they it's almost like they leap out of the page screaming i'm over here look at me god yeah i know and we've all done it it's all happened in our blog posts hasn't it yes yeah and at worst at best they irritate you but at worst they'll generate a lack of interest or disengagement in your readers. So when we're writing, we really do have to think about whether your audience will tolerate any mistakes or whether it's worth keeping the grumpy pedants happy. Mm. Let's face it, it's not like the old days when grumpy readers just threw a book at the wall. (laughs) (laughs) No, now they're docking Amazon stars and saying mean stuff in the reviews. Yeah. And, And other potential readers are going to be influenced by that, whether we like it or not. Yeah, definitely. So an editor really acts like a buffer between the author and the audience. That's right. We've got your back. So shall we talk now about what other experience and knowledge an editor can bring to the table? Because I think it's important to remember that many of us have trained to do this job. Not all, for sure, but many of us have. You and me have, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we (laughs) have. (laughs) And that means we're specialists and we're experienced. Yeah, that's it. This is what we do. So using a qualified editor with the appropriate specialist experience means that you're bringing in someone to your team who can do the stuff that you can't, not because you're not capable, but because you specialise in doing other stuff. Yeah, that's a um, that's a really good point. Um, I just makes me reminds me of one of my author clients who's a therapist as well as a, a fiction writer. Right. And it's not that he's not perfectly capable of being, being an editor, just like I might be able to be a great therapist with the right training. But he does his mm. thing and I do mine. And if I was having a tough time emotionally, I'd hire him, not you, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> help me out not that you're not incredibly empathetic but you get my point you know someone needs therapy they hire a therapist if your electrics have busted you hire an electrician and if your writing needs um work then the editor's the perfect person for the job 
Yeah, absolutely. And this week my heating went on the blink and I hired a heating plumber and I was so grateful to him for his expertise. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Oh, two weeks. Scotland. It's not exactly yeah. funny at the moment, Two weeks it? of no heating and hot water, not good. Definitely not. No. No. <laughs> and an editor can use their expertise um, to guide you on the different levels of editing. So it might well be that you don't need to use a third party for everything, just for the types of editing that are your weaker points. Yeah. So you could be a great world builder, but a poor punctuator, which means you can do your own structural editing, but you'll get help with copy editing. Yeah, yeah. Or you might be great at the nitty gritty, but you have problems shaping your book. So you'd find it an advantage to get help with developmental or structural work. Mm -hmm. um, Denise, before we wrap up, I really want to talk about um, something that you wrote a brilliant article about. And it's that issue of how people are sometimes nervous about hiring editors because they think we're pedants or the so-called grammar police. Oh, yeah. And that is absolutely not what editing is about, is it? Absolutely not. And this is something I know we're both really passionate about. I know you've written about mindfulness in regard to fiction editing, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the nub of it is this. A professional editor will not be butchering your writing to make it conform to what they think is correct, regardless of your voice, your style, your story, your message. Mindful editing respects all of these things. It's not about pedantry and zombie rules. It's about what we talked about earlier. It's about communication. And a good editor will work with you to make your writing the best it can be. But it's your book and the editor who doesn't respect that isn't behaving professionally. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And that means allowing, say, in my line of work, fiction, idiomatic phrasing, non-standard grammar in dialogue and regional and dialectical forms of expression means allowing all that stuff to stay in a book because that stuff adds depth and authenticity to a story. And yeah. uh, even in our language, in our language, there are there are loads of different Englishes that need to be celebrated and embraced. Books aren't yeah. about books aren't about homogeneity and, and professional editors respect that. We're not butchers. Absolutely. And in, it's the same in nonfiction. Even though there might be certain conventions in your subject area, that doesn't mean your individual voice shouldn't sing from the pages. Mm, mm. Your editor shouldn't be making a single change to your text unless they can justify it. I mean, Louise, you're right. It's not about butchery, but it's not about policing either. It's about helping you get your book or your article or your website where you want it to be for your intended audience. That's a lovely way to wrap up. And so we've been so busy gassing that we haven't done <laughs> editing bites yet. No. So this is where we recommend a tool or resource that we love. So what have you got for us this week, Denise? Well, this week, um, my bite is by one of my favourite writers. As you know, Louise, I love a bit of horror. Oh, and, you do. Yeah, I do. And Stephen King has been my go-to in that genre for years. But he also wrote a non-fiction book called On Writing um, and loads of writers and editors recommend it as a really great insight into the process and art of writing itself. I've got that on my bookshelf. I confess, though, I haven't touched it yet. So, <laughs> One day, you'll get right yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah, I will, now that you've recommended it. Yeah. So as my bite, um, I'm going to offer my list of global editing societies. So if you do decide you want to hire a pro editor to help you on your journey, these will help you do um, your research. You don't have to work with someone from your own country. And some of, some of those societies, like the Society for Editors and Proofreaders, do have an international membership. Um, and like I said, there are other ways of finding an editor, which we cover in episode 10. So have a listen to that too. Um, but if location is important to you, I think you'll find this list useful. 
yeah I think that's a great resource to end with so that's it for this week thank you so much for listening to the editing podcast you can rate review and subscribe via your podcatcher and don't forget to tell your writer friends and your editor friends and your business friends basically anyone who writes and if you have any questions please do get in touch with us via the editing podcast facebook page if you ask us a question we will answer that's a promise and all the resources and articles we've mentioned in this episode are in the show notes Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.